0: Melissa, Sarah,
1: what are we reading today? We're reading Before the Coffee Gets Cold by Toshikazu (music) Kabuguchi. Melissa, how are you today? I am doing just fine. Thank you very much. How about you? I'm doing well. Uh, I cannot believe that we're
0: heading into the middle of January already. I feel like this year is already flying. Um, I know on my part, I definitely feel good about my reading so far. I've I've been able to get a couple books under my belt, which feels good, considering that we're a couple weeks into the new year. But I wanted to ask you, and thinking about, you know, when we were talking in December about you know, what we read in 2023 and, you know, things that were a little bit different or goals that we had. And I know you had mentioned that you had read some graphic novels and, you know, you were experimenting a little bit with, you know, listening to audiobooks um, rather than just strictly reading them. And so I wanted to know, like for 2024, do you have any goals or things that you're looking to kind of branch out into in terms of how
1: you're going to read this year? Totally. Yeah. And I think that rather than like a number, which I think historically I've always been like just 12 books is like my minimum, like one per month. That's what I've always gone for, like a number goal. But mm. this year, what I'm going for, and it, it obviously has a lot to do with the fact that we've started this podcast and i've kind of like gotten rid of my whole hang up around like well we have so many books like our our house is just so <laughs> we have so <laughs> many books yeah um and i'm not going to read them all and i feel really like obligated to read the ones we have and i'm over it i'm i'm just like going for things that i want to read that people recommend to me that i'm seeing and hearing good reviews about and so that i can kind of like enter into a conversation with people about things that they're reading currently, I'm not necessarily just like, well, I still have like all the Giller Prize winners from like the early Audis and I need to make my way through, (laughs) Um, like just going for it, buying the new books, getting them from the library, getting them as audiobooks and like being part of a bigger conversation.
0: That's great. Yeah, I definitely have a lot of books in my library that I have yet to read. And there is a little bit of guilt that comes along with that. I I feel that for sure. But you know, there's, I feel like there's nothing worse than you're picking up a book out of obligation and then trying to get through it. And if it's just not like vibing with you or you're not vibing with it, I should say, it just, it doesn't make for the most pleasurable experience, and you know we only have so much time in our busy lives to devote to reading, and so you want it to be something that I, I like. The idea of of it bringing you into a conversation, and you know we should be reading what we want to read, not what we feel like we're obligated to read. <laughs>
1: yeah, and it's it's so funny. My daughter Violet the other day, I I do this thing, and I've done this since I was in school, where I know my maximum number of pages per hour is thirty pages an hour. Like I have never. I have no expectation I will ever get any faster. Um, But if I like sit and read consistently for an hour, I will get through 30 pages. And like I said, since university, I have just done this whole thing where I'm like, okay, how many pages do I have left? How many divided by 30? How many hours do I have left and Mm -hmm. so on and so on. But there was a book that I was like kind of trying to like muck my way through a little bit more than others. And and I was doing the the, um, calculation probably more (laughs) frequently than I care to admit. The book, math. Me, the book math. Yeah. And um, Violet was like, don't you think you would just like enjoy the book more if you weren't so worried about finishing it? And I was like, yeah, or I shouldn't be reading it at all really is what my truthful mm. thought was. But she's coming up on an age in her life where she's going to have to do a lot of required reading for school. So I was <laughs> yeah. like, I don't want to like give in and be like, don't read stuff you don't like.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mommy says
1: it's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. She's bringing that to school. Like. And mom said, I didn't have to read this because I don't like it. Well, I'm really excited to talk about the book that you picked today before the coffee gets cold. Um, How did this
1: book find its way into your hands? So I actually first saw this book, uh, like the cover image uh, on something that I'm following on social media called um, the NL Bookshop. And that's like a new enterprise that someone locally has got on the go. And they posted a picture of it, sort of like a... I forget exactly what the tone of the post was, but it's just about like curling up with a book. And it's kind of drawn to the cover. Um, I saw it was a Japanese author. We have been to Japan a couple times, really enjoyed it, but I have not read much in the way of fiction set in Japan. I think like one time when we were going there, I read something just to kind of like get me in the mood sort of thing, mm. um, but really not a lot. And so I was like, Okay, clearly, this is a popular book that this bookshop's trying to kind of promote and get people reading. So, again, being part of that conversation. And it's like anything, I feel like when you discover something and then suddenly you see it all over the place. Mm-hmm. So, it was starting to pop up here and there. You texted me the other day, you're like, I just saw that <laughs> yeah. book again. So, you I made saw it at Target. It. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like, oh. really, we've hit the mass market officially, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Kawaguchi. And I
0: actually saw Crying in H Mart, which was our other book that we talked about here in January. <laughs> And so I was like, wow, they must we be listening on to point. our
1: podcast and <laughs> following us on social media. <laughs> it should be. So that was how I first got um, like a hold of the book. Actually, I mentioned it um, to the family that I was interested in and it did appear as a uh, birthday gift or a Christmas gift or something. My birthday and Christmas are close, so I can't remember exactly which one. So I kind of, I jumped into it and another Japanese translation actually, um, which is, I normally wouldn't do like I like to kind of spice it up and do mm. things like just change it up, I guess, between um, reads. Um, but ultimately, I'm actually kind of glad that I did this because it gave me a good perspective on the quality of the translation.
0: Mm. Well, I'm sure I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of getting into that a little bit more and kind of the differences Um in the translations, but can you give me a summary or provide a summary for um, Before the Coffee Gets Cold? Just to kind of give an idea, because of course I have not read this book.
1: It it reminded (laughs) me of the American sitcom Cheers, Um, partly because just like the setting itself, it was literally like a a cafe. So not a bar, but like a cafe at the bottom of a set of stairs. Mm -hmm. It was always described as sepia in tone, which I really read as dingy. Um, So like, just like the vibe of this place, I I was getting total cheers vibes just from the setting. But then also the fact that it was like this core cast of characters Mm. who were always in this space and sort of episode by episode it would kind of pan in and pan out and they were so localized to this space that i couldn't imagine them anywhere else and i feel that way about not that i'm like a you know (laughs) a real fan of cheers necessarily but it's like (laughs) all of those characters they really only exist within those walls like i can't really picture them in many other places so it's set in this cafe and of course it deals with time travel um and so it's time travel you can go back in time or you can go forward in time but there are a lot of clear and direct rules around the time travel so i won't get into all of them but like basically you can only stay within the confines of this cafe. So you can't say, I want to go back to my childhood home and see my grandmother or something like that. You have to stay in that space
0: Hmm.
1: and you can only see people who have previously been in that space. Hmm. You can only go once. So you can't make like a weekly trip back to the past or the future or anything like
0: that. And so can you only go one time period? Like you have one choice. And that's yeah. it. It's not like once and then you can revisit, you can go to a different place or not a different place, but a different time and talk with a different person. It's just, this is your one chance to go back in time.
1: Right. That's how I, I understood it. it. Okay. Yeah, That's how I understood it. That it was just like, you either, you pick this time, you either go forward or backward, you do what you got to do. And then that's it. And you can only go, you have to, Sit in the same chair. There's like one active chair that allows you to do this in the cafe, mm, okay. and so you have to use that chair. And then when you are at your time destination, you also need to stay in that chair. And you can. So, only God access- forbid, if you had to to, to use the bathroom. <laughs> Funny, you should it say out. that. Oh, okay. <laughs> because actually, this this chair is typically inhabited by a ghost, and the ghost to vacate the chair in order for you to take your turn in it. And she only leaves once a day to go to the bathroom. Uh-huh. And yeah. And actually at one point, given that it is a cafe, um, they need they want her to go more quickly. So they just keep feeding her coffee and coffee and coffee. Well, so that she'll a diuretic, a known
0: diuretic. So smart. No
1: <laughs> so those are kind of like the parameters like, and so it's divided mm-hmm. into these four sections. And like I said, I kind of saw them as episodes, right? Like this week on Before the Coffee Gets Cold, which reminds Mm -hmm. me the critical rule of the set of rules is that you can only stay either in the past or in the future for as long as it takes before the coffee gets cold. So if your coffee begins to cool and you haven't drank it all, you're in trouble. Kudos to the author for putting all of these constraints in place. Because that's what allowed for it to be quite a tight story. He very tightly came up with this very neat and tidy setting and this tight concept. So you're not wasting your time looking for anachronisms or discrepancies with the whole time travel thing. You're kind of locked into this story. But interestingly, those tight parameters, which make it interesting, are also what make it a little bit boring because it's so constrained and it's so limited in terms of its cast and setting.
0: Right. I mean, I suppose if it's these characters who are choosing to go backwards or forwards in time, I mean, it's really just a conversation, right? They can't get up off the chair. They, they can't leave. So it's mm-hmm. like what I'm really it would be like the variety and the types of conversations that these individual characters are having is what makes the difference. And and I could see how that would be limiting for sure.
1: I did listen to some other reviews, too, as well, mm-hmm. that were sort of like really complimentary of the fact that it did really focus on these interactions. And I did appreciate the fact that, like, nobody ever went back in time to, like, be mean to someone, right? It's not like you get this opportunity to go back to me, like, I had such a great one-liner insult. And then I boggle the line and be like, oh, damn it. That was my literally my second and last chance to do that. So, it, you know, they all go back and do some gesture of kindness or, or just sort of clarify some moment of their past or something. Mm. So, yeah, it, it definitely was limiting in that way that it was just these conversations. Um, And again, with characters who were um, already in that space, you would have to know, I get that the person had inhabited that space. That's, That's, it's an interesting rule. One of the things that was kind of cool to me was because the person had to have been in the cafe and because there was this like, you know, small group of staff there, they become a really interesting part of the conversation that happens or observers of the interaction that happens Mm -hmm. both in the past and in the future because they're aware that if anyone other than the ghost is in that seat some sort of time travel is happening Mm -hmm. and they of these various cues that you learn about throughout that they can deduce things about maybe why that person has decided to either come that has come to the past um and then also if it's going to the future they are ready for that visitor because the person who's traveled into the future also goes back to their present and can say like this is what it looked like and this is how old this person was so that as time goes on when those people um, progress through their lives, they'll go. Oh, this is going to be that day. Someone's going to sh- that. That person's mm. going to show that, so that they're they can prepare for it in different ways. So, I actually really loved the layering of timelines that started to happen, and I felt like one of the biggest weaknesses of the book was that it didn't play with that more. And I want to like just pull a quick passage to kind yeah. of like to kind of like show like, it felt like so much potential and then it just kind of fell flat. And we can talk about this more, but I loved the setting of this book more than I liked. Like, I didn't really care about many of the characters, but the place itself felt really cool to me and it was conveyed in a really cool way. <laughs> That's actually a pun because they talk about the temperature all the time. yeah. <laughs> including in the section i'm about like this to coffee
0: read. is getting cold really fast <laughs> <laughs> i never even thought about
1: that you're so right that's so logical i didn't even think about that okay so it's just again it's describing the space and it talks about the temperature of the room so it says the hottest temperature ever recorded in japan was 105 degrees at ekawasaki in kochi prefecture it is difficult to imagine a ceiling fan being at all useful in such heat But even in the height of summer, this cafe is always pleasantly cool. Who is keeping it cool? Beyond the staff, no one knows, nor will they ever know. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) To me, this was a beautiful hook because it actually says beyond the staff, suggesting that the staff does know Mm. some of the secret magic of this place, but that never, ever comes
0: out. It could have been a reveal towards... Towards the end. I mean, is it the ghost? Because ghosts, I mean, if you believe in ghosts, uh, they're known to make rooms colder, like this, their presence, like Mm -hmm. a temperature will drop. But yeah, that does seem like a missed opportunity.
1: And because they're so ingrained in this space, and like I said, you can't imagine them anywhere else. My imagination started to work with this. I was like, oh, they're all ghosts, actually. And because they talk about this cafe having been open since like the 1800s Mm. and it really gets this cool mystical quality like they talk about this ceiling fan all the time and to me it just created this really cool feeling of like movement in the room yeah and they had like this old cash register, and so every time someone buys something, they make a big deal of like, and he went to pay, and it costs this many yen, and the cash register opened. And because I think it was trying to get you in like a really analog frame of mind. Mm. They say at one point, you know, there's no cell phone service because it's underground and that kind of thing. So I really started to like kind of start imagining and wondering about the characters, and I wished. I wish that at some point it had been revealed like they were actually spirits. I love the idea of time travel and like all the potential
0: for like these emotional, like, you know, former lovers and one is going back in time to, you know, say something that they never said and couldn't say when they were together family, you know, uh, Mm. family members that could be going, going backwards and forwards in time. Like, I I just feel like there's, there could be a a lot of potential for some really moving. Yeah, interactions. Um, You know, is this something that could be
1: like a play or a film? Yeah, so there's four sections and each one deals with someone going back in time or forward in time. Um, So, yeah, it happens in four different instances and they're sort of they're unique but interconnected, right? You sort of like when you're being introduced to the next one, you're like, oh, I see how that connects to the previous one and so on, Mm. even though they're kind of isolated stories. And you're right about like all that potential in terms of like the types of conversations that can happen. But unfortunately I think there's also a lot of risk of just falling into cliches going back and the lover and will we meet again and meet, you know, what is that meet me on the Brooklyn bridge in five years or whatever? Like, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's, it, there's a lot of that possibility, but one thing that I thought he did that was really clever and actually artistic in terms of a story about um two lovers was the male partner had alzheimers what i loved about that was it kind of made me question or think about do we kind of time travel anyway <laughs> like and if you're interacting with a person who has some form of dementia they are not existing on the same time plane as you are. So this woman, when she's dealing when she's like interacting with her husband and he's treating her as though she's a younger version of herself, an unmarried version of herself, when she kind of commits to that version of their of their relationship, is she not in a way kind of time traveling? Yeah. Right. I see what you mean. So I that was probably like a high point of the book for me when I was like, oh wow, like what do we do anyway that isn't like, you know, back to the future kind of like sci-fi time travel, but that allows us to interact with earlier experiences. So I felt like that was like the most direct one. Mm. But later in the book, there's an interaction with between people that I kind of thought he was getting at something similar in the sense of all of the times that they travel to the past or the future, what they gain is someone else's perspective. Mm. So like, yes, they get an opportunity to maybe express something that they had left unsaid to a person, but they also then see it from a new angle. And I kind of thought, is that also not its own version of time travel, right? Getting to kind of revisit something with new information as a new version of yourself. Are you also kind of like playing with the rules of time?
0: Do you think it could be that maybe that was the author's intention with this book? Is that, hey, I'm giving you this imaginary scenario in which people can go back and forth in time, but we do already have that gift. We just don't use it. Mm -hmm. You know, we just don't take advantage of it. We don't try to get that new perspective that then shifts the way that we look at something that happened in the past.
1: You know, I I do. And I I do wonder if that was one of his intentions. I don't think think it came through as strongly as it could have. Um, and I think also the answer to that question goes back a little bit to what you originally asked me and I did not answer. Um, <laughs> You're which pulling is a about- Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> which is around like, you know, how might this story look in different forms? Mm. It was originally a stage play. I think it has since become uh, a screenplay, but it was a stage play. And I think it would have been an amazing stage production obviously because the space itself I was really I was really drawn to and then I think also it could have been more nuanced the the cues in the book that were guiding the story and maybe sort of signposting like I want you to think about like it's it's maybe not as glamorous or as powerful as an actual time machine but maybe you you already have these abilities to revisit the past or re-envision a future or something like they would have appeared less direct as a as a stage production. Like there's this one section where they keep going and she put her hands on her stomach and she put her hands on her stomach. And you're like, she's <laughs> like, pregnant, we get it. <laughs> and then it was like, later on, they were like a young girl who was approximately 18 years old showed up and was very interested in the character who had been holding her stomach. They were all befuddled of who this person would be like, it's her daughter. We get it. Like it was just <laughs> yeah. so obvious in certain parts and I'm like, give me a little bit more credit as your reader here. But I think it's because it was like probably like stage directions. Right. And I feel like the idea of uh, something
0: that has been written, written as a play, there is such an emphasis on scene setting. Like if you can't make that setting believable, then you're potentially losing your audience. And so I could see that like really hammering (laughs) certain things in to just kind of get that point across. Like we want to make sure the scene is fully set and you get
1: what's happening. But do you also think that that could be due to the translation? I get that, like you know, there's certain value to just like there's a beginning, there's a middle, and an end. Like it's kind of what I would call. I think this is kind of regional language too, but it's like a good yarn, right? It's like it's just <laughs> a good story. I plowed through. I liked what was happening, but then it's like there's things that just feel like a bit of of a reach, or that you're like you clearly took something that makes so much sense in the Japanese context within Japanese culture. Language and culture are so intertwined that it's just impossible to think that you could just pick one up and drop it into another place and just fully make sense. So two examples of that I think were like they were really hammering home um, like this person's social positioning or his intellectual background or his educational background. I'm not really sure which they were trying to highlight but they were talking about like which type of characters that he was able to write effortlessly as opposed to a different set of characters. And it was like very clear to me that like, if you had gone to the public school system in Japan, you'd be like, oh, that per- that grouping of people. Yeah. Whereas it just didn't make any sense to me. Um, and another one, so it says, as her strength faded, her sense of anxiety grew. Negativity is food for a malady, one might say. Even the use of the word malady felt so archaic that I was like, I feel like this just got put through Google Translate. Yeah. And I wonder too if, like, that's a
0: potentially a popular sentiment or saying in Japanese. And that's the best. Yeah. That's the best way they were able to translate it. But I could see how that could make it a little bit of a challenging read at points. Yeah, along the yeah, lines. I
1: definitely sensed there that I was like, this was a very direct translation, you know, it wasn't like, what's the spirit of this mm. moment in the story, it was like a very direct sort of copy and paste. There was definitely some clunkiness throughout that did get in the way of my reading experience. It does me. it's not something that I've necessarily thought about before,
0: but yeah, like the way that a a piece of literary work is translated, like how that's done, whoever is doing it and the way that they're reading the text and maybe their understanding of both languages and cultures and being able to kind of maybe you're it's not the direct translation, but it I guess summarizes what it what it would mean in that language or culture that you're trying to translate to so that it, the meaning just kind of comes forward in a more powerful way or like a less clumsy way. Not all translated work is created equal. Like it could have potentially been uh, like a beautifully written piece in Japanese, but not necessarily so in English.
1: And I think about sort of the person who is is the translator, right? Like they're sort of, I guess, trying to anticipate a cultural identity of their readers in some way right Mm -hmm. to try to determine or or predict well how will they respond to this how will they and one thing i would certainly not (laughs) one thing i have seen done in books and it really irritates me is like when they're not in a place that uses um dollars as its currency but then they're suddenly, and that was $45. And it's like, it definitely would have been a not $45. Yeah. But you're yeah. just like, we don't want to throw off, you know, sort of the Western audience or, well, not even Western, like sort of the North American audience will be like, what is that symbol? Is that a some sort of version of money? That's like kind of not giving enough credit to the
0: reader, you know, (laughs) unless it's in whatever currency that they're or whatever it may be,
1: something that they're exclusively familiar with and they're not going to get it at all. So I appreciate that they didn't like adjust this whole thing about like what his educational background was that he they kept that in. But then it was also kind of alienating for me. And it didn't give me a clear enough picture of who he was. And I think this also kind of brings me back to one of my earlier points too. And 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 you said, you know, like there's so much possibility for really like heartfelt moments. I never cared enough about any of the characters to have that heart-wrenching moment. And I was really disappointed. Like I yeah. wanted I wanted him to give me someone to care about. And I I missed it. How long is the book, by the way? Like how many pages? Like. 282, because my calculation, I had to put it in several times. But the last 10 pages, so that was the book you were referring mm, to with Violet. Didn't want to uh, say that at the beginning. Yeah, of understandably, the I think we're I know
0: where we're going with this. You can care about a character. And it doesn't necessarily need to take a ton of pages for you to care about their story or carry uh, care about what their emotions are or their journey. You know, I think about time travel a lot, like, in a I guess, emotional slash like philosophical ways, like going back to even like this summer and like us having this reunion and being up in St. John's. And like that was like I felt like I time traveled in certain mm-hmm. ways. I mean, you know, obviously we're all older and we had families with us. And but I, it was it there was something so um, surreal at moments about being in these places, these spaces. And being a different person, but then like still kind of like having remnants
1: of your former self, like present, like, uh, so remember earlier I said, isn't it funny? You know, like it it always seems to happen. You hear the name of a book or you hear about a product or something, and then suddenly it's appearing everywhere. Mm. And I was talking to Tom, my husband, next month's guest on the Mm -hmm. podcast, Tom Mm -hmm. Halperd. And he's always like you know very thoughtful and pensive about these sorts of things and i was like why do you think that is is that just because like the supercomputers in utah are listening and they just planted in our social media feeds and he's like (laughs) well maybe Uh, but then he said like or (laughs) maybe we're existing in multiple planes of time And and we switch in and out of them so fast that we don't even notice that we have like multiple existences in different universes. And so that's why we're encountering them more, because maybe we actually saw them at a different point in time and it's just being organized for us now Mm -hmm. based on prior experience. I know. Yeah,
0: this whole like kind of concept of like déjà vu, like I've seen this, I've experienced this before, and hmm. and maybe you truly have. So yeah, that's really interesting. Hmm. I like it. Like it, Tom. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's quite a guy. Sometimes it's good, and sometimes it's a little overwhelming for this little noggin of mine.
0: <laughs> well, Melissa, I don't know if you're ready for me to am- to ask you the question, but uh, so would you consider before the coffee gets cold. A could read, a should read, or a must read. This book is a could read. Mm, I have a feeling.
1: The story is too thin and the writing is not beautiful. Mm. And the overall message or theme, they're not so unique to this story that you couldn't get them from another book. That is more beautifully written. That would give you kind of a more artistic experience. And I do think that we're just maybe a little bit too far from the author. It troubled me at certain points to think that I was reading a version of his book that he had maybe never read. Right. So for me, Before the Coffee Gets Cold by Toshikazu Kawaguchi is a could read.
0: Well, I mean, they're not all going to be must reads. They're not all going to be even should reads. So I mean, that's that is going to happen. And and it was great that you you read it. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the beauty of reading is that you get all these different experiences. They're not all going to be the ones that you enjoy the most, but you get something out of it. And look, you end up having this lovely conversation with Tom about the idea of existing and you know kind of multiple planes of existence like it could be an interesting concept but if it's not written in in a way that grabs you or if the characters are not developed enough and if the story just doesn't have enough substance to it like you have to have at least one of those
1: i'm not like bitter about my reading experience <laughs> or anything like that um <laughs> but you know it was just kind of it just fell a little flat and like you said sometimes books do that and then yeah. they make the should reads and must reads like all that all that much more sweeter that's true
0: well i'm happy that we talked about this book and as always i'm always thrilled to talk to you about anything and everything but especially books and i'm really looking forward to our next episode where we will have your husband tom halford a very talented writer and a a very deep deep thinker on our
1: podcast so until next time my friend. Until next time, thank you for this. Really enjoyed it. Bye.